The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and coming up on the podcast this week, Dave Gillam is my special guest. As well as answering your gardening questions on all things from olive trees, fertinius spot and laurels with holes in their leaves, we'll also bring some top tips of things you could be getting on with in the garden plus Plant of the Week, all exclusive to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Let's start then with this week's Plant of the Week, which is Magnolia Salangiona. Do you know it was first bred in France, yeah, in Paris, by Etienne Solange Bodin. Yep, and it was done in 1820, as long ago as that. He was uh, a retired cavalry officer, and to put it in perspective, he was (laughs) fighting with Napoleon. So it does give you a bit of a feeling for how long ago it was. And it was actually a cross between Magnolia Denudata with Magnolia Liliflora. Um, and it is a very precocious flower. It's big, it's bushy, it's it's bold, and uh, it's 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 a sort of large flower. And they come in various colours, from white, pink, and through to maroon. The nice thing about them is, and I think this was noticed because it was soon available in, of course, England as well as North America, where it's spread quite heavily there. The flowers are born again on bare wood, which makes it ever so attractive as well. And the leaves, they're not exciting. They're just oval, they're green, and they're there all summer long. But it is an early flower. Flowering about now, you'll see it all over the place. Absolutely fantastic. Look out for it. Talking of America, the American varieties is one alba that the biggest flower is 14 inches in diameter, whereas most of them are, are actually four to, in, to eight inches across. So, you know, something to think about. The good thing about them is that they grow as a, a shrub into a large tree. Yep, but the most important thing, they grow in any soil. They're tolerant of wind and they're tolerant of acid and alkaline tea. We see lots of them in front gardens, bought as a shrub, never pruned and end up as massive trees. So my answer is, buy Magnolia Solangiana, any colour you like, enjoy it, but prune it and control it, because that's the thing that you need to do. So come on, get out there, get a Magnolia Solangiana in your garden. Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Still to come on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, Dave and I will bring you some top tips on things you can be doing in the garden this week, but let's now hear what you've called us about. And we start with Jean in Maylandsey. I have a wisteria as at the front of my house. It's right under my kitchen window and then it trails over the, the, the roof and the garage. And a couple of years ago, it was fantastic. The last couple of years, um, I'm getting blooms on one side that goes over the garage. Underneath the window, I'm not getting any at all. It's all leaf. I can see it again this year. It's, it's going to be all leaf. Now, I don't know whether it's because I have to cut, because it's obviously a vigorous plant, I have to mm-hmm. cut it back quite often in the summer. Otherwise, it would completely obliterate the uh, window. Um, do you think that might be the reason that I'm not getting blooms on just that section? It, it probably is, really. If you, if you, you prune them normally um, in July or early autumn, but right, if you're regularly yeah. pruning them, you can probably put that plant or that part of the plant a bit out of kilter or out of sync um, right. because obviously the other part that you, you're dealing with in the normal way is flowering. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. it, is, it might be just a case of holding off as long as you dare um, to yeah. prune it to get it near the right time, um, which yeah. is sort of fairly soon after flowering and when you get those water shoots. Or maybe even just, t- you know, you might want to tie them down or tie them in for a bit 
to clear the window and then prune them later yeah, rather than sort harder. of keeping on top of it. Yeah. I mean, w would I be ruining it completely if I tried to, at whatever time you tell me, to cut that particular part, um, you know, quite radically down into, well, almost the older wood, if you like. You could do, sometimes you? you can cut mm. them right down and they do sprout again, don't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, they will shoot from old wood. It's just for flowering, mm. you're trying to leave, you know, a couple of inch yeah. stub um, that's yeah. going to then ripen and produce the flower buds in that sort of next spring. So, um, yeah, it's whatever you can do to try to balance the mm. equation, really. Uh, but it is a pain. Well, they are quick growing and yeah. you won't yeah. see out your window very quickly. But, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's probably the, the difference. It might give me a, a couple more years um, because I, if I'm not getting blooms anyway, I might as well do something. It's a worth a go, isn't it? More, I um, <laughs> it's worth um, a try. What time, what, yeah, what time should I do that? Well, I, I sort of wait till July normally on mine, but um, right. okay. you know, there's very people will do it in different ways. But I tend to July and then tidy up again in the autumn. There you are. That sorted the wisterias out. Let's go to Alan in Hoddesdon. Hello, Alan, and don't forget, Alan has called us on 0800 4041. Give us a call now, Alan. How can we help? Morning, uh, Ken and Dave. Um, uh, an update: uh, Three weeks ago, I said I was planted some peanut seeds. Yeah. And anyway, they've now started to shoot. What should I do with them? Put them in the <laughs> soil in the allotment, or should I leave them in pots and see how they go there? They're not hardy, are they? Not really hardy. So you'd be better growing them in pots, a nice good sized pot, um, and they, they'd be fine outside once we get into the summer, and you can just keep them ticking along. Um, the, the thing would be is at what point you you bite the bullet and tip them out to get your peanuts. Right. Uh, another quick one. I've been given uh, it's a, a rooted cutting of a fig tree. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about three foot six long. It seems a bit top heavy for the amount of roots on the bottom. Should <laughs> I cut it back a bit? Um, it's funny, actually, because often... I mean, I know you sell them up at Abercorn, yeah. but I've, you see them, and they are often um, sold very tall yes. and a bit spindly. Yeah. Um, as a young plant, as a young they want to grow they... very quickly, and you get these yeah. shoots. So I, I would I... say it's better just to sort of nip it out a little bit, just to make sort... it branch. Yeah, branch out. Otherwise, you'll end up with a, a very tall, skinny fig tree um, that How... will be susceptible to wind. Did and you things. say it's four feet high and it's got no growth or anything from the base at all? No, nothing at all. Just a couple of little sprouts coming from the very top. Yeah, I, I would take the top foot off uh, and yeah, so I get down. some shoots off the, off the yeah. stem. and then it'll grow sideways. <laughs> all right, how far down? But just take the top foot. Oh, only just the top? Yeah, yeah, because... One, one foot down, though. Yeah. yeah, down from the top. Right, So okay, um, then. then you'll see where it's growing. If you want to cut a bit more, then you can go you to can. where you know you've got shoots. All right. All right. Much obliged. That's a pleasure. Right. That's Alan, who's given us a call here on 0800 4041. You can message me here as well, straight into the studio on 81333. Start your message with the word Essex, and we will pick them up here. We've got a couple of emails to deal with as well. I'm going now over to Orpington to talk to Alan. Hello, Alan. Hello, Ken. Um, I've got uh, an Acer tree. Yeah. Um, it's about four foot, maybe a little bit more, but not much. First of all, I've got to point out that I know nothing about gardening whatsoever. <laughs> now, that's why we're here to help you, Alan. Well, that's why I'm picking your brain, Ken. Um, basically, we had it trimmed back by a guy, um local guy, and he said he'd do it for us. And so he's trimmed it back, and now we seem to have a, a four foot high um, twig sticking out of the ground. Now, I was wondering if we could, first of all, get an indication of when it should be showing some kind of shoot of some kind. Right, OK. Um, what, what is causing it to um, be so difficult? It's, it doesn't want to grow. And what plant food should we use okay. to try and stimulate it? Can we get back to what sort of acer it is? Have you got any idea? Can you remember what the leaf looked like? Was it a small leaf? Yeah, it wasn't big. So it's a was maple. It, and was Japanese. it red? Seemed to go red, yeah, yeah. Did he go red in autumn and green in the spring? Yeah, that's basically what I remember, yeah. And so, so was it bought as a shrub rather than a tree? I don't know about that because it was something we inherited. From right. Oh, right, OK. 
It's probably is a Japanese maple. A Japanese maple. Um, Pruning it shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, you normally They're prune best... them sort of in the depths of winter, really, or you just let them go through the winter and tidy up any die back from there. You don't prune them hard you at all. You wouldn't hard prune them, actually. I mean, I've done it. I've chopped things down to the ground and they, mm. they come romping up again. But there but is a risk, there isn't is a there, risk. <laughs> Yeah. Um, this one has uh, been really hard pruned now. Yeah, you should. I mean, if it's, re what, recently... Well, in the middle of the winter. Oh, right. That should, should yeah. take it. You should start seeing signs of growth by now. Um, there isn't really any feed that you can put on to stimulate growth. Food, plant foods only really work on growing plants, so it has to right. start growing and then you're adding to that. Um, what, giving it a feed won't use? wake it up. What would we use? Well, it's, it's, it's it borderline. Growing and we wanted to bring it on, yeah. what would we what kind of plant food I generally would suggest an ericaceous feed for aprils. They're a bit of a borderline one, but you can get one that is a, a seaweed um, with sequestered iron. So you've got a That's good best. plant tonic and, and the right pH for it. Um, and that would probably be my best But bet. the problem is that until the plant has leaves... You can't feed the it. Food, <laughs> the food does nothing. Right. Does that make where, sense? Whereabouts where we put it? I mean... Uh, if you sort of take account of the, the growth of the roots, do yeah. you put it close to the trunk of the tree or no. away from it? Away from it, yeah. about about nine inches away at least. Right. Does I that mean, the liquid feed, you can just sort of pull around the roots, it. so that, that yeah. doesn't pull matter. Around the roots. Yeah. yeah. Does that yeah. help you, Alan? You, you, surprisingly, yes. But if I'm <laughs> going to phone back in a few days' time to tell you that it's growing, yep. or I'll phone back and say... It's We've dead. Gone, uh, we've got to get rid of. Alan, give it a give it a couple of weeks yeah. to show because it will be only just starting to show growth. All right. Oh right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'm really grateful for your help then. It's a right. pleasure. Okay, Alan. That's Alan over in Orpington, and we go to Antonia in Kettlesbaston. Is that Kettlebaston? Yes, that's right. In Suffolk. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Good to hear from you. What's your question then? Uh, so we recently moved to the house and we've got an olive tree, which is about chest height, so I'd say about four foot. Mm -hmm. Can we replant it or um, would that be terminal? <laughs> What's it, is it in the ground? Uh, yeah, yeah. And how thick's the stem? Sorry? How thick is the stem of the olive, is it? Uh, about um, an inch in diameter. Oh, right. So it's only, it's only a young one. Yeah. Um, so yes, I would say you can do it, and I would do it sooner rather than later. Do it now uh, before it really gets into any growth, and just try to lift as much of a root ball, and don't disturb it very much. You know, be as gentle, but get as much as you can. Replant it, real good drink, and you should be fine. Great. And one of the best ways is still putting a sheet of polythene down on the ground and slide that root ball onto the polythene, and then you can slide the polythene with the plant on it or lift it in a barrow all the way to the new position without damaging the roots much. Great tip. Um, I had a second question, if I may. Okay, yep. Um, so I work at a school, and um, we have a gardening club, and on the entrance to the school, um, there's a strip of land between a paved area I think the soil is quite shallow, mm -hmm. um, and uh, we wanted to create a sort of display in the school colours, which are fuchsia and um, canary yellow. Um, but what could I plant? What could we plant there? Well, the fuchsia would be quite easy. Um, the yellow would be the sort of harder one. Or French, French marigold. Yellow, yellow, French, yellow marigold. French marigold would do yellow, wouldn't yeah, it? And How would you mind. do fuchsia with fuchsia? With fuchsia, bright pink would be probably a petunia. Oh, yeah, bright pink, yep. Or even geraniums. Geraniums, you can get a lovely bright pink geranium that would be close to that sort of colour. And you could get a bedding one of those, yeah. which would be a bit cheaper. And, and they'll take the sort of and shallow And then edge it with the yellow of the French yeah. marigold. Yeah. How about that? That's beautiful. And, and that's OK in a quite shallow soil. Yeah, they won't worry them. They, I mean, geraniums don't mind Both of those would tolerate yeah. that, wouldn't they? Definitely. All right. Thank you so much. All right. That's a pressure. OK, there's a question from just over the border in Suffolk. Um... I'm just going to hold on Diana and Sue, if you can hold there for a moment. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Back to your gardening question in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. 
Dave Gillen's my guest today. Now, Dave, come on, what you got for us? Well, now the sun's come out. The sun is out. Well, the sun is out, and I've been showing me daffodils, um, like the shows around, but now they've been open for a little while, the sun soon pushes them through. So as the flowers start fading, it is really important for next year's flower to deadhead. People so don't, just, do they? They don't. They let them fade, and then the seed pod is produced, and all that energy from that bulb is producing seeds that it's never going to do anything. So just pinch them off just behind the bulbous bit of the flower. Leave the up stem the top. Leave the right stem. at the top. Yeah. Just pinch them off, and that will help stop that bulb putting all that energy into producing seeds that you don't want. Now, I want to ask you, did you ruin any prizes? Oh, I did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> two, two best in shows, um, best exhibits and most points at both shows. So and what varieties nice. were they? Were they common varieties? or Common not? in the show world, but not necessarily the garden. There's one or two that like sealing wax that will produce good show blooms that are generally out there and available, but mine are probably a little bit more uh, selective. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. Now, I... I th- I, th- I think we've missed, well, we should, the other tip that we should be giving them if we're talking bulbs is that people won't feed them, will they? Did, I no. mean, how important is that then, it, Dave? It's, it's feed and it's water. So it's now really, as a bulb starts dying down, that it will take in the food and build up that bulb. And the bigger the bulb you can end up with this year, the bigger and better the flowers next. And people tend to just go, oh, they're finished. Leave Forget them alone. It. Want to tidy them up. But... Leave the stems on, leave the leaves alone. Don't fold them over until they're really yellowing. It's about 14 weeks, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it's a good good spell, really. Once they're, they're yellow, you can fold them, and once they're crispy, you can remove them. But a good potash feed, something like tomorite or tomato foods, or even sulfate potash, applied now will help that bulb bulk up for next year and you won't get the blind ones. And you, you do that even if they're in grass or lawns? Yes, yeah, because it won't hurt feeding the lawn at the same time. But And plenty of water because it's going to get drier now and the bulb will need water. And because they're finished, people tend to sort of leave them alone and go, oh, well, they're done. But water and feed for next year's flowers. Thanks, Dave. And we'll have more top tips for the next seven days later on in the podcast. I just wanted to uh, say a very experienced and well-known gardener uh, died just last week, Paul Paul King. If anybody knew Paul King, they'd have realised how good his knowledge was. He's been in the studio a couple of times with us as well and uh, we're very sorry that we've lost Paul King in his mid-60s. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. I promised to go straight back to Diana, who's been waiting a little while. Sorry to keep you waiting, Diana. That's all right, quite all right. I sent you an email about this white uh, flower that came up, and it's rather prolific. Yeah, just Diana like... Ronaldson, is that right? Yes, it yes, is. Yes, got the picture, and funny enough, I just <laughs> said we were going to come to some email. Yeah. We, uh, you've Pushkinia, had a little Pushkinia. And the thing is that with Pushkinia, it's not... How high does it grow? It's not as high well, as a bluebell. Bit, I thought it might be a bluebell. You see, it's not quite as high as a bluebell. No, bell. it's no. not. And the other thing about it is it's got a little stripe in it, hasn't it? It's yeah. a, green... Yes, a green stripe on each petal. That's yeah. it, and it's a slightly more open flower than what a, a blue... I mean, you can get Spanish bluebells coming white, pink, blue and all the colours, but they are still more of a cupped flower that, like the bluebell would be. Yes, yes. That, I think, is Pushkinia, and you can get different varieties, some taller than... Can you tell me how to spell that? <laughs> Probably not. Um, um, I think it's P-U-S-K-I-N-I-A. Or is like it that. C-H? Pushkinia. Pushkinia. I think C-H. it's Pushkinia. Yes. Oh, well, I've never heard of that. <laughs> it is Pushkinia. I'm sure we've got it right. It is Pushkinia. Um, and the other thing about it is, because Span- isn't it Spanish... Uh, bluebells face upwards slightly yes, and of course this yeah. does as well so I can see the out. I can see the confusion Diana of yes. why you thought that might be it um, did you have you moved into somewhere where it is or have you spotted no we've been here for about uh, must be 45 years and have you just is it just appeared or what then it's appeared this year it, it was a little bit last year but it's absolutely taken over now and it's... I'm worried about my um, clematis I wouldn't no, worry about that. They will clump and spread. Know. They're a sort of edge, edge of a, a well, a class under a, like a woodland bulb, so they don't mind a little bit of shade, and they will grow under story, you know, under other plants. Mm. Um, so they're not going to be taking anything away from any other plants no. you've got in there. They're just a bulb. That, that Have you got, got a spelling? I've got now? a spelling for you. It is P U S C. Oh, it is S C. S C. That's how yeah. it is. Yep. H K I N 
I A Pushkin. It's li- literally Pushkinia. how you spell it, near enough, yeah. isn't it? Oh, right, that, that's great. Thank you very much. Everybody tells me it was a weed, but I mean, you you like weeds and you don't like weeds. They're, they're about three pound a pack for seven bulbs if you buy them. Oh, <laughs> so they are. So, so, so you make the most I of give it. Them to my friends, then that's I would. It. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much well, indeed. Thank you so much. Bye bye. That's Diana for her call from Great Baddow with the Pushkinia, and she'd sent us a picture as well. So that's nice to see the picture because it gives us a clue on what uh, what we're talking about there. Let's go back to Sue. Again, who's been patiently waiting. Sorry to keep you waiting, Sue, but don't forget anybody else calling is 0800 111 Sue, what have you got for us? My mum's got a cherry tree in the garden, right? It's been there ever since we've lived there. And all of a sudden, this ivy has sort of just come from nowhere <laughs> and it's going straight up the, the trunk of the tree. Will it hurt the tree? Should we get rid of it? And if so, how can we? Well, I mean, in the end, they, an ivy can smother a tree. Um, depends how big the tree is and how strong the ivy is, but it's never. I wouldn't say it's ever a good thing to have an ivy romping through a tree. Um, your best bet would be, one, I would just cut it, you know, low down um, at the base of the tree so you, you, the rest of that will die and you can hook it off. But you've got to really apply a weed a killer because you'll probably find... The roots of the ivy will be very mixed up with mixed the, cherry, up with the roots they? of the tree, so <laughs> you can't dig it out. Um, but if so you use... will, if we put weed killer on it though, will it hurt the tree? No, as long as you only get it on the leaves of the ivy, it won't. Most weed killers only go through the leaf, so you could perhaps use uh, a gel type, so you can just glyphosate apply it. gel, glyphosate gel, or yep. Roundup gel, <laughs> which that is about the only one out there. And you can stick that to the leaf of the ivy because it's a glossy leaf. So if you you try spraying, it just runs off. Um, yeah. And then that will get uh, into the roots and do it. It'll get there in the end, but you might have to have right. a couple of goes at it. Okay. I wouldn't suggest and it's a good thing to have ivy up the tree, really. Okay. I work, well, I don't know. <laughs> if you like the look of it, now keep in it. Wickford. <laughs> <laughs> she's listening in Wickford going, oh, right, OK, I'll get out there and do that now, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I come from Wickford originally, so we don't do ivy up, up trees in Wickford. No. Oh, no. sorry, I beg your pardon. <laughs> no, no, we <laughs> don't do ivy. I Wickford originally, so. <laughs> All right, then, that's great. Thanks ever so much for your help. Okay. That's a pleasure. Don't forget that you can give us a call now on O. 800 111 I've got a line free at the moment. I thought I'd go through a couple of emails. Did we decide what this one was? I'm still trying to remember. Oh, we I haven't know got it. this one. I know it. Um, I can't somebody come up sent me a, Catherine sent me a picture. We're just working on that one. We haven't got that one. Um, this is a good one, which I know my uh, friend Dave Gillen will be able to help me with because you obviously at Abercorn sell all the products that help. Last autumn, this is from Chris in Southend. He says, last autumn you were talking about fuchsias with gallmite. Mm-hmm. Um, you said it might help to use Bug Clear Ultra. Yeah. Now, is that the only one that's systemic at the moment? Well, I think it's more ultra and use a vine weevil one. Right. Because the vine weevil, the one that's as a for vine weevil, you can use as a drench, where the straight ultra... This is it called sy- ultra. But is it called? Cool? Is it a systemic still? It is. Yeah, yeah. The ultra isn't as systemic as it used to be. <laughs> no. Much like most of them. And it's um, the only one, isn't it? Now yeah. that is systemic because yeah. Bravado isn't systemic no, anymore. It gives is it? about two weeks cover. But now let um, me just explain. The fine weaver one would be the one that, if you're going to try it. Now let me explain that systemic means it goes into the plant and it then you know you've seen the advert on the television yeah. about the roots being killed. It's the same principle. But it is with an insecticide which goes into the plant. The bug then eats the plant yep. and gets killed. So that's what they're about. But it seems that we've only got Bug Clear Ultra Vine Weevil vine Killer, weevil killer which, which we in theory shouldn't recommend, but it no, works. No, um, just pretend you've got Vine Weevils. Yes. Now, <laughs> there, somebody has told me, uh, it was a gentleman uh, that I went to see his garden who was full of gallmite, mm. and in fact, gallmite is nasty. It is spreading quite yeah. badly. And in fact, he had used Bug Clear Ultra last year and found that he actually hadn't cleared it because no. it's not recommended for it. It's just, it was a shot in the dark, yes, isn't it? Yes, yeah. I think the Ultra might... What you're trying to do, really, is prevent spread. I don't think you'll cure something that's got it, but you might help keep the others from getting it. So um, that, but it's a bit unknown. Yeah, we it's, it's a real unknown. Enough to know. And if it is, you've got a bad case, please get rid of it. But don't keep it in the garden. No. Get rid of it to the council, or it's burnt. Yeah. That is that is our recommendation. Now let's go back to the phones. Don't forget that number is oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one, and we go straight to 
Wendy from Braintree. Hello, Wendy. Oh, hello. Um, I've got a laurel problem. <laughs> Some of us have laurel problems, <laughs> but what's up with it? <laughs> well, I've, it's been like it really for a few years. You know, I get holes in the leaves and um, uh, sort of eaten pieces as well. Brown spots. Is it are the holes on the outside of the leaf or on the inside of the leaf? Well, they go right through. I mean, I don't know the brown shot hole. Yeah, <laughs> the hole goes right through the leaf, but I don't know which way they go. And how big? It's how big at the back? How big are the holes? Well, some of them are small, like round, just small round ones. Yeah. Some of them are like something's been eating them. Pieces yep. out. Yeah, it's a right mess. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> you might have a bit of a combination going on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And but, also, it could be physiological as well, yes, couldn't it? Because yeah. that also produces brown spots, yeah. <laughs> which end up as holes. Yeah, yeah. you can get a right, shot hole. So yeah, it could be that. Can I just go back to the, the physiological? Are they laying in water? Is it a wet spot no. of the gut? No. no. Right. No. Then it's more very likely very, to be the pest, very dry isn't it? There. Okay. It, well, <laughs> shot hole literally looks like someone shot it with a but, gun. Yeah, yeah. Like they have shotgun, and, be, and quite often it starts as a small bit, a little yeah. brown spot, and becomes larger, and then the hole forms. Um, yeah. But that that's bacterial. It's it's not the easiest thing to to deal with either. Um, I was thinking you might, <clears throat> if it's like notches, then you might have a bit of iron weevil, which do like laurels. They do. But they tend yeah. to notch around the outside of the leaf rather than in the middle of the leaf. So how are we going to try and get rid of any of that? <laughs> so I short mean, hole... I don't know if it's well, worth to this, aren't we? it or whether I'm going to, you know, take it up altogether. No. No, try and treat it. Yeah, no. I, I think if you're going to... If you get to the point where you think you might take it up because it's not attractive, mm. I would say give it a real good prune up, yep. a real good feed, and then yep. probably perhaps use... Um, a, a rose clear or something that's um, insecticide and fungicide give it a real good spray and see if you can invigorate it into new growth and um, quite pr often plants will outgrow the pests or the problems but you've just got to give them that chance to do so mm. All right. so you uh, use a fungicide really and no it's, it's it. a combination. combination rose clear is a combination so that's why Dave's saying use a Rose clear because it's a combination of insecticide and, and fungicide. fungicide. So you're you're covering all your options and a real good feed with something like buff fish and bone and a good prune and really this time of year wake that plant up and see if it'll outgrow the problems. Brian from Stanway's our next caller. Hello, Brian. Yes, hello. Um, I've got a camellia which is only about um, two or three years old. It's growing well um, and it's come up to about two foot the main plant. Uh, two foot high, um, had some good blooms on this year. They've now gone off, but mm -hmm. it's shot out a centre stem up to about five feet. The question is, do I trim that back, prune it back to the, uh, say, the top of the main bush, um, or will I do damage, uh, in effect, um, kill, a, kill the plant off? No, no. No, they often do this, and especially once the plant's established, they've got some roots out there and they flower, and then the new growth comes. So it's just effectively a water prune shoot. Just, just prune it. Just prune it down to the, the level of the rest of the plant. And make Keep it attractive, really, isn't it? Yeah, just visually. Uh, it won't uh, hurt. Yes, that's, that's fine. Thanks very much. That's OK. That's Brian from Stanway, and we go to Steve from Epping. Hello, Steve from Epping. Oh, hello. Good morning. Yes, I just want to ask you about um, dieback on yep. a, a Japanese Acer. <laughs> yes. Um, I've got a quite a well-established plant. It's been in probably about 15 years, about eight foot high. And it's always yep. been growing quite well, but this year I've got some dieback on it, mm -hmm. um, which is quite a big lump of um, trees died back, so about a quarter of it. Right, as a whole lump, is it? Whole stem? Yeah, yeah, I've cut that off. Not good. Mm. No. You've I've cut it off already. It. You've cut it off already, did you say? I have, yeah. 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 It's, I mean, this year more than any, you probably will find things like the maples getting more dieback because they'll be just touched by the cold. But yep, when you lose yep. a whole stem, that's not normally the natural dieback that aces have. I mean, I, I rarely ever prune an ace, so I just let the winter do what it does. Yeah. See where the dieback is the, and just cut tidy the dead it bits up. off. Yeah. That's all you do. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, that's, um, that's almost self-prune. 
But a yeah. whole stem could be something a little bit... Bacterial. Bacterial. Um, right. Um, but you've done the right thing. All you can do is remove it, um, and generally you're, you know, the plant will infill and fill the space. So not much more we can tell you to do other than what you're doing on that. And, and watch the plant now as, as the new growth comes mm. and do what Dave said is cut out any other dead pieces. But yeah. when you do, see that you clean a saw or yeah. your pruning secateurs with a spirit. There is so a that thing called verticillin wilt, which yes. aces can get. Which is um, through the root system, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, so if, yeah. if you're seeing it's got getting progressively worse and you've got other aces, then there's probably a time where you, 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 know, you bite the bullet and get rid of it because you, it's generally waterborne once right. it's in place. Okay, so there's not really a lot I can do. You've done the right thing. You've done the right thing, but see you keep it pruned. Keep an eye on it. Give it a good feed, something, a seaweed-based food. That will help it along. All right? Okay, that's lovely. Thanks for your advice. That's Steve. And just out of that, before I go to Gordon in Malden... The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. and Dave have got some more tips for you. Now I'm going to start with lawns, Dave, because a lot of people have not cut their lawns this year yet. <laughs> no. Because it's been too wet. It's yeah. been muddy, it's been wet. A lot of people have But I know what happens. It's growing like mad. Within this week, it has grown fantastically, hasn't it? Yes. Um, people will go out there and they'll think, oh, I'll take... Take it down, take it down, take it down, which is the worst thing you can do to grass, isn't it? It really just damages it beyond all repair, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's take it down gently, top it, top it and top it for a few weeks and then slowly reduce it because if not, you will end up with moss and all sorts of things yeah. and lots more weed. So they are... Be we careful haven't had that buzz you yet of the mowers no, out there. I we think haven't that's a... coming this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> so there, that's my tip. And um, again, if it's still muddy... Or you've got worm casts, flick those worm casts off with a stiff broom uh, before you even mow because it will make a muddy mess. And still, if yeah. you've got muddy corners, leave them alone. Yeah. Let them wait. So, well, I'm talking lawns. What are you talking today well, for a tip? if you do cut them, and quite often where the stuff's grown and the grass has grown so thick, you cut it and it looks a bit bare and it looks a bit open. The natural reaction sometimes is to go out there with a complete sort of food and, and weed killer and so on. But for me, I'd go out there and actually feed what you have got and add in some seed if you need to. So if it's a bit bare, the ground's still moist, it's warming up, you can yep. germinate grassy quite quickly. There's some great products out there that are sort of feed and seed, so you can overseed and feed what you've got, thicken it up before you start throwing lots of product on it, because generally if you can get the grass growing strong enough, the weeds and the moss doesn't take hold. So I'd get out there and now's the time to get a bit of grass seed down there and overseed if you can so it's not like it used to be where we used to have to buy a box of seed and then a box of uh, <laughs> no, compost no, mix it it's up. all mixed together yeah, it's just it? a granular feed so it's only it's going to feed the grass over the next six weeks so it's, it's coming back from from its winter and it's cutting and then but in the same time you can then feel some new grass that adds a bit of vigor to the lawn going into that summer well keep listening to the podcast as there's still more hints and tips to come Crowther. This is BBC Essex. I go back to the phones and to Gordon in Malden. Hello, Gordon. Hello there, sir. Um, you know, I just had a thought. When I was trying to choose presents for, you know, my grandchildren, I thought this might be worth passing on to other people. When you've got you know, somebody you don't know what on earth to buy them because they've already got everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, I bought some seeds, three types. Um, and uh, one of them is a telegraph plant, if you know what that is. Telegraph. Um, which is a telegraph plant, otherwise called a dancing plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I don't want to um, say the whole name. I've got it written down, but it's in Latin on it. <laughs> and look, um, and also mimosa, which you will know shortly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And also seeds for the Venus flytrap. Okay. Um, so they're all plants that actually move in their own various ways. Um, the telegraph plant, um, I could tell you the, the, I suppose, proper name. 
if you want to. It's, um, it's a plant that actually moves. Its leaves move with music. Um, you can almost train them. I don't know if you know it. No, it's not one I know. Oh, right. Oh, well, I've got you here, haven't I? Yeah, you have indeed. Well done. Its <laughs> actual uh, it's, it's name is C-O-D-A-R-I-O-C-A-L-Y-X. Um, that's the, the actual, I guess it's Latin, though. Mm. Um, and, yes, um, now there's no point in me asking you exactly how to plant it then, because um, I can't believe you didn't know about it. It's yeah. called a telegraph plant or dancing plant. It's not you can um, look it up online. what we know as a sensitive plant. Yes, mimosa, yeah. It, I've that's a sensitive one before. plant. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it's a lovely, lovely little plant. The, the whole bit um, you'll have there is that the Venus um, Venus flytraps from seed are, are quite mm -hmm. difficult because you, yes, you know trying right. to keep the that right conditions. Was, yes, that's right. And I was uh, going to ask you exactly that as to what medium is best you know, um, to plant them in. They love peat. You know, it, it's quite hard right. in certainly in this day and age because um, most of the carnivorous plants really just are, are bog plants. You know, they grow in peat bogs and. Um, they love peat, so it's finding right. either just peat on its no, own. Moss or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, I would go with, with, with peat and perhaps um, as a young plant, um, just add perhaps a bit of perlite or something like that. Um, it's hard because you need to keep them damp, but you don't want them to to be saturated. Um, right. And it's keeping some humidity. Um, perlite or something like that, just that yeah. will just add a bit of air into the into the peat. Peat on its own can become very stodgy, um, and it's right. not a problem as a as a larger plant. They quite enjoy it, but as a young plant, um, they, they're going to be a little bit sensitive to that. And and reasonable humidity, a regular misting, because um, quite often you, you see this sort of trainiums with the carnivorous plants just to keep the the humidity there. Yeah, and don't give them too many flies, apparently. No, because no, no. you can overfeed you're, them, you're, definitely. It'll take a while before yeah. you'll be uh, giving it dinner, I'm sure, from sea. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the... Basically, your dancing plant, uh, isn't it an a Asian shrub? I think it's from Asia, I, isn't it? I, I don't know, but probably. But I don't know mm. about it. Yeah, I think um, it's from, from Asia, and mm -hmm. uh, it obviously won't be hardy, so you're keeping it indoors anyway. And I think I think it grows up to a couple of feet high. So it's used as an indoor plant with a bit of fun, right. which is yeah, you're getting right. a, you're getting a bit of fun out of it, aren't you? <laughs> well, that's what the idea was. Something you yeah. know, different yeah. as a present. You know, it, it can look stupidly small and disappointing because the seeds are tiny. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, 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 <laughs> You can give them a present that is so small um, yeah, yeah. and a great big label on it. And um, again, the mimosa, again, none, none isn't a hardy plant either, you no. see. So you, you've got a few plants there. They're going to have to be either conservatory or on the windowsill, aren't you? Yeah, I, I assume that, yeah, because yeah. they sort of they need their light. Mm. Um, I have successfully grown two of them before, um, but I was thinking I'll package them up and give them to my grandchildren with a couple of pots. And so I guess I would use peat for all three of them. Yeah, I mean, any multi for the others, but the, the carnivorous plants really do like peat. I mean, you can get some very high peat-based compost still. Yeah, you can. Um, more chance of finding that than you will just pure peat. Um, so I, I think you'll find um, Jack's Magic is very high peat um, when you're out there if you're looking for them. Um, but I don't like too much recycled stuff in there. Okay, Gordon, I hope that's helped you. I'm going to move on. Just a reminder, 0800 4041, that's the number to call. I'll just go back to an email here, which is quite an interesting one, Dave. It says, <laughs> could you tell me if it's okay to use glyphosate weed moss killer? Is there a glyphosate weed moss killer? Um, I wouldn't have thought so. No, neither would I, because it's a wrong product, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, glyphosate will kill grass, so... yeah. Anyway, what he wants to do, he's got moss on his artificial grass. <laughs> um, yeah. I have quite a few patches of moss. It's grown through the artificial grass. Wonder what's the best way to get rid of it without damaging the artificial lawn. You can get um, just a straight moss killer yeah. um, as a little ready-to-use spray. But you have um, to watch it hasn't got ferrous oxide in it, though, because yeah, it? it'll is, go red, wouldn't it? It could, it could a bit, but I think you'll find the spray will be fine. 
um, opposed to using like a lawn, you know, you don't want to use no, lawn sand. No, don't sand use a lawn sand. Like sand. Um, but yeah, you can just get a week of it's for moss and algae, really. Um, and that's probably your best bet, just so as a spray. And don't use uh, glyphosate because glyphosate will not get rid of moss. No, not really. Okay, let's go back to the phones 0800 111 and let's talk to John from Chingford. Hello, John. Hello there. Hello there, fellas. Uh, I had an uh, Alan. How do you say it? Adam Marillis. Adam Marillis, yep, yep. That's the one. That, uh, it bloomed beautifully. March, it finished blooming. It had three stems. Each stem had three flowers on it, blooms. Died away, died down, and it's coming up again. Is that normal? Mm. So you, you had the leaves, the leaves died down. Now, and got, the leaves that's are coming not, up again. I would say that's not normal. No. No, it's, I mean, it's coming. It's, they're about... From elbow to my fingertips high, these um, right. these leaves, new leaves. And in the pot also, I chucked a few um, pepper seeds. <laughs> They're coming up as well. <laughs> That's going to be a confused pot, that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got a pepper amaryllis seed pot. <laughs> I, I would at some point wink all those uh, peppers out of there because you, you're going to need to um, make the amaryllis go dormant at some point. Um which would involve taking it out of the pot or putting it in the pot be, somewhere yeah. the peppers won't like. Um, so, yeah, I would just leave it, keep watering it, keep it through the summer. You'll probably find that at some point, again, they will yellow and die down. Um, as long as they do, that will refeed the bulb for its next flowering time. But um, it's amazing. The they're a bit out of sync. The itself was fantastic when it came up. It had three stems. Is that, is that normal? Three stems? It's good. Sometimes it's yeah, good, it's yeah. Good, yeah. yeah. And huge, big, beautiful, big blossoms on it, on each one. And I, I heard a previous program where Ken had said, chop the seed bud at the top and then yeah. wait for it to die down. That's and right, yep. To, which I did. Uh, and now it started to work again. And it's now over from, well, it's about two foot, the leaves are about two <laughs> foot high now. No, you've just got to keep it ticking over. You've got all summer for it to grow, but you will find in the end it will... Um, go back into its normal routine of dying down to the bulb and then just wait, ready to wake up again when you when you are. Move on to Sid in Clacton Sea. You're talking camellias, is that right, Sid? Oh, good morning. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I put my camellias in as, as uh, your instructions. <laughs> yeah, they were Ken's uh, instructions, weren't they? In. They look nice. Good. Uh, now, the little question is, at the watering, now, I've got a watering with tap water because that's my system. Yeah. Uh, is there any way I could sort of come back there or... or um, have I got to put some sort of uh, iron feed down to combat the... Well, you can get, the you can get uh, slow-release granules for, for ericaceous plants, normally little blue round pellets. Yeah. Um, yeah, and if you, that, yeah. if you put those there, they last over about four months, I think. Um, right. At least then when you're using the tap water, some of those will break down and it will just help maintain the acidity of the, of the soil. So if you've right. done that, you're doing the right thing. Oh, and I can't over-acidify it. <laughs> Not really, out. not really, no. Not really. That's what I needed to know. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's what I should do. That. And that's smashing. Okay. Anyway, thanks much, Cheryl. Thank, Thank you. That's Sid in Claxton C. And we go to Sheila in Great Ballow. Sheila, you've got a red robin, yeah? Yes, I have. And it's been beautiful for several years, three or four years. And um, now I've got the leaves dropping off in abundance with the yep. black spots. Yep. I'm gathering them up this morning. Good. I'm wondering whether I dare not leave one on the ground and it will cause trouble or what's the situation, please. They're best out the garden, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it could it could be the Alphatinia spot, but it also could be that the plant is coming into new growth. Um, it, comp- yeah, it appears to be. Yeah. Is all the new growth, is the new growth clean without spots? Um, I'll have to investigate. <laughs> I, think um, you'll find, I bet you'll find it is. Yeah. Yes. OK, we'll assume it is. Yeah, then just tidy yeah, up. They look from here pretty good. Yeah, it's normally yeah. once they've been in the garden for a while. Evergreens aren't evergreen in the sense the leaves normally last about 18 months, but they they have a real good purge, particularly for tinnias. Once they start growing again, that's when they start shedding en masse the old leaves. And quite often they do turn black and discolour and so on, which is the plant basically killing them to, to shed them. But um, is it so essential that I pick every leaf up from the ground and do it, anything to it the helps. ground? It helps. It's good practice. What you'll find, if it is Fertinia spot, then the new growth that comes out probably in a month or so's time will then start getting black spots on it. And if it does, you can... You can then just... Use oh, a fungicide. It. Yeah, just treat it like it's a rose and try to keep keep on top of it. 
But I guess at this time of year, it's it is probably just natural growth. When you say treat it like a rose, what do you mean with a spray? Yeah, with yeah, a rose with spray. A... What you spray for black spot and roses and mildew, oh, you, yes, you can use yes. that on your fertility. Yes. Okay. I understand. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much. That's Sheila from Great Baddo. And we go to Colchester to talk to Angela about her tree fern. Is that, have you got a nice tree fern, Angela? I did have. Um, <laughs> I've had one for several years. And uh, when I bought it, the actual trunk, I should think it was nearly 30 round. Mm. Um, but over the years, it's gradually got smaller. And this year, um, I shouldn't think it's, you'd be saying about six or seven inches round. Um, do they go like that? They can do, because effectively the trunk itself is just mass roots. Yeah. Um, that's developed as it's gone up through there. So if that stem is degrading, if it's effectively been weathered, um, right. It can reduce. As, it I'm looks impossible sure. to have many fronds on it, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, uh, this I think year. sometimes on the top, people quite often will, when they cut the old fronds off, cut them too short. Right. You, you're better to cut them over length, um, uh-huh. and then the root and the, it will maintain the thickness of the trunk. Right. Um, at the top, people tie them up really close, and it can then compound the, the growing tip. So you I get these see. really fat ones, and then suddenly they sort of taper in at the top and get thin. Yeah, because I don't want to lose it, because they're so expensive now. Um, <laughs> what can you feed it on? I used to have, um, you know, their feed, but I haven't seen yeah, it lately. Yeah, they absolutely love seaweed. Um, seaweed? So, so if you get, get the fronds seaweed. out, I've liquid seaweed, liquid, yeah. that's it, and get it all over the fronds, you know, dilute it and water it all over the, all so over the, on the leaves lot. and in the middle of that trunk there. And they absolutely love it, and they will romp out from that because something to do with the the seaweed and ferns they they do enjoy. Lovely. Thank you. Lovely. Yeah, thanks for your help. That's a pleasure. And there's Angela. We go to George in Dagnum. Hello, George. How can we help you today? Good morning, Ken. Yes, I'm wondering if you can. I I just decided to dig up some horseradish roots to make some horseradish sauce. And... I've dug them up, took me a hell of a time because they're very deep. And I just thought, struck me, is it the right time to do this? Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the plant's just starting to grow again, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, what you'll probably find, it's fine. If you're going to use it, you'll use it. And if you've got enough plant left in the ground to carry on going, it's normally, yeah. I would say, it's, it's an all, late autumn, winter sport. I used to, uh, when you, whether you were supposed to, but when I was a kid, we'd nip around the fields and dig a few out. And you tend to find they're stronger and hotter in the winter time than when they start coming into into growth yeah. in the spring. So you'll have a lovely mild horseradish probably, um, rather than the real punchy one. But um, any time's a good time to make horseradish yeah. sauce. But if you want it hot, do it in the winter. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I should have engaged, I should have engaged my brain before I dug it up. Yeah. Right, thank you very much indeed. Okay, okay George. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips Dave has for us this week. Well, I'm going to have to finish on it. Dahlias. Dahlias. Dave (laughs) Gillen, Mr Dahlia man. Dahlias, Dahlias are it. And at the moment, I'm busy in the greenhouse, really taking all, all the cuttings from the tubers, so these have been woken up probably in about January and February for me because I'm going to take cuttings, um, and I'm taking them off now, and they will be perfect for for rooting and planting out in that end of May, first week of June. So um, if people haven't done that, can they actually set the tubers up now? They, they can growing? set them up now, but you, you'd have to probably then divide them rather than taking cuttings because right. by the time they've produced the cutting material and then you root it, it's going to delay flowering. But anything taken off the plants now... Normally two weeks to root, a couple of weeks in a pot, a couple of weeks in a bigger pot, and you're in the ground. So people who have listened to you earlier in the year on the podcast yeah, will know that up. they should have woken them up. Yeah. So when you take the cutting, you just say, take a cutting. But I mean, how do you take the cutting? Just <laughs> so easy, cut it, it yeah. off? Yeah, you're looking for uh, about a three-inch shoot with uh, two pairs of leaves and a growing tip, and you're cutting below that second pair of leaves, leaving a bit below, because you can still plant the tuber in the ground as well. Oh, I see. And that'll grow yeah. on and have early flowers. Um, and then just pop those bottom leaves off, a bit of hormone powder if you've got it, or a gel, and a nice gritty or, or open mix. And I've, all I've done, to be honest, Ken, is I've just put a sheet of polythene over the top yeah. of the tray, and that just keeps the humidity enough um, to off root Off they them. go. Yeah. 
yeah, and it works well. But now's the time, much earlier, and you end up with these trees that you're trying to maintain indoors because we're still going to get frosts somewhere yeah, along the line. Of course we will, yeah. Um, and they'll be trying to flower before they're established. So for me and show work, middle of April to the end, really, is when I'm taking the cuttings. So they are taking cuttings of dahlias. Now, does this mean then, Dave, that it's we're too late if we're still buying dahlias? Because there's a lot in garden centres, yeah. like like Abercorn, isn't there? Yeah, we've still got plenty, and, and they'll be there. And quite often, if you look at in the packs, they've got the eyes just swelling where the environment's got a bit warmer and they're waking up. But again, I would get those, and, and fairly soon, um, as all the lovely summer bedding comes through, they're quite often discounted. Um, but it's a great time to buy them then, yeah. wake them up, and you can either plant it straight away and know you're going to have a big clump. If it shoots and you've got a couple of shoots, put a knife through it and, you get and a have couple. a couple. So you can often get two from oh, buying a packet yeah. of daily tubers, you can yeah. often get two. One tube and you often get two or even three plants, as long as you're brave enough to split it like you would any other perennial. But it's still time and there's plenty out there, I'm sure. So when you're starting them off, would you, you said plant them direct. Uh, you said well, I would plant them in a pot. I was going to say, yeah. we don't want to put them out in the garden yet, no, do we? No, you can You can if you're going to do it, but quite often they will take a while because the ground is cooler. It is cold. And still, it will take it? a while for them to wake up. If you can wake them up on a windowsill first, you can see what they're doing, split them and plant them as growing plants rather than a dormant tuber. And they'll probably find you'll get flowers much, much earlier than you would by just planting them direct. I mean, anyone that done it in March this year, they may well be dead because... You know, that cold, wet ground and the snow that we got could put pay to them easily. But still time. Have a go. Thank you, Dave. Now let's get straight back to your gardening questions. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast. Answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Angie. Hi, Angie. Oh, hi. Uh, morning, uh, gentlemen. Um, I have a question, if uh, if I may ask it. Yeah. Yep. It's regarding fruit trees, um, uh, pear trees in particular. Uh, I have two pear trees, and they're both fla- um, sort of got a whole burst of energy, and it's mm-hmm. full of leaves. Yep. And one of them has got, actually got flowers. Yeah. Now, um, can I uh, spray them to avoid any bugs getting to them? Because last year it got both got attacked with bugs. I can't remember what sort of bugs they were, but the leaves kind of um, went um, cl- closed. Yeah. If the leaves close, there's aphid. There's only aphid damage. There's not a lot that bothers the pear fruit, in a sense, not like the apples and the, the plums that get the maggots and so on. Um, mm. The problem is if... If you spray them and there's blossom on there, the spray would probably damage the blossom. Is there much you can spray fruit with now? Not re- well. You can use the ed- there are edible sprays. So as long as you use, you use it for edible crops. The, so that's after the petals have fallen. Yes, yeah, so after the the petals of the flowers have fallen, then you could use um, say it's a bug clear edible, but make sure it's an edible one and it won't be in the system. Um, so that will work as preventative, and it is probably as Ken said, aphids um, getting on the new growth. But I wouldn't recommend you do it until the flowers are finished. Ah, okay. So and be careful okay. if you're spraying a tree and it's above your head because you're going to end up having yeah. a shower in it. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you. Right. That's a pleasure. That's Angie from Southend and Heather from Headingham. We've still got time for a couple of calls. Oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. That's oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. Heather in Headingham. Hi. Hello. Um, Hello, yes, Heather. I've just been round the garden. Good morning, and um, discovered a lot of my uh, foxgloves um, have got mottled, very mottled and brown leaves, and then they've also got in the centre. They look as if they've di- it looks as if they were dying. So I had a look. Thought they watered them, and that didn't work. <laughs> and um, they're all brown and, and rotted. Is there something that's going around? Not that I know of. Um, it might just be a bit of winter and it's, it's knocked them about a bit. Were they foxgloves clumps from last year? Or are these new, um, new yes, ones? Yes, I mean, they keep going and seeding themselves. Yeah. Well, um, if they've they be been the clumps for then... previous years and they will just sort of expire in the end. Um, uh, even though they're new plants? Well, the new ones shouldn't be, no. Um, How new is... new. I mean, they're not... They're not cause I sh- always chuck out the last year's ones. Mm. And keep the ones, you know, the seedlings that are coming on around them. Yeah, they shouldn't and be doing so that. I found two, I don't know what colours they are. But could, I mean, I grew Susan, Sarah Raven last year, mm. the, you know, her white yeah. foxgloves. 
Yeah, and, um, I mean, when they see it again, they might not be white the second no, time no, around. No, 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 but... so, but I haven't kept any. For, mm. Well, I've chucked out the ones I had of those, so they might be whatever whatever it was. Could but... just be winter damage, yeah. you know. I think you'll probably find that they would have got hit by one lot of snow, started coming into growth, and then got hit by another lot of snow, and it yeah. will distort and damage the, the, the new growth. They're pretty tough things. Don't but... dig them out, just no. leave one alone. No, 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 no. Well, I've noticed that they're completely rotten in the, in the roots, in the, down the whole stem and yeah. in the roots. So they're, gone, they are gone. Gone. <laughs> Yeah. OK. I just but I would say it's probably only weather, not, yeah, not weather. Because they've all got rather brown and they've got sort of mottled yeah. colouring okay. on the leaves. Yeah. I don't think there's anything, you know, problematic other than conditions. Don't forget, you can still give us a call, just as Grace has from the Isle of Sheppey on 0800 111 I wanted to just get this one in from Jenny Berry. Jenny Berry, telephoned you last September last year about uh, whether beans would grow through the winter indoors to feed the leaves to my tortoise who couldn't hibernate as she had been unwell. You said a plant beans straight away and just have a go. I did and have grown beans indoors all through the winter by putting them under the tortoise UV lamp and on the radiator. I grew them periodically as one pot grew. I um, filled in the gaps and some more came. I thought I'd like to give you feedback to say that what the advice you gave worked and it was successful. Thank you for a lovely programme. And thank you very much for that as well. And we now go to Grace. Hello, Grace. Oh, <clears throat> um, good morning. Uh, now, that bad weather we had... It's absolutely ruined a lot of my stuff in the garden. Now, yep. I'm a bit concerned about the C&O fish. Mm -hmm. I have four. They are in four beautiful blues, all different. Yeah. And they, they're a lovely show when they come out. It should be well budding up and yeah. on their way by now. There's nothing at all. I'm looking out on a, on a brown bush. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, the the brownness goes right down the stem about a yep. foot. Yeah, can. Um, um, if it's only going down the stem a foot, that's not so bad. I mean, well, it's, the it's... point is, I I can't. There's quite they're quite big bushes. Yeah, and right. I I can't get out there to. Um, no, Grace, Grace, let's yeah. let's just talk ceanothus. Ceanothus is not the hardiest plant in the world. No. That's what we've got to accept first. Oh, right. This this winter has been a shock to a lot of plants, yeah. and in fact, we await lots of calls in the next month of plants that have died and not survived. Ceanothus will get knocked back. It will. Yeah. And all you can do is wait for new growth. And it's so important to sit tight, yeah. isn't it, Dave? Yeah, I remember the time with all the cordial lines when yeah. they all got... And, and people were sticking them out and actually they you all wait. started shooting from the stem yeah. and there's all these multi-stem cordial lines. So, there. Grace, wait. Sit tight to at happens. least the end of April and the beginning of May and see where they branch from. And I bet you, even from some of that old stem, yeah. you'll get little shoots coming. Ideally, oh, right. I know you, you, you said you probably can't, but in, if it was me, I'd try to nip out there and prune to, to encourage that. But um, yep. if you can't, you can't. But if I, you can't, just wait that. and wait till the new shoots appear and then get someone to come around with a saw and just cut it back to where the new shoots are. Oh, I see. I never thought of that. All right, they're great. I, I, I was thinking, I can't get out there because one of them is about 15, 16 <laughs> foot tall. Yeah, yeah that would be. But, and yeah. it's beautiful. It's worth it's worth waiting, and then you can tidy up once you know where they're growing from. But I wouldn't say they're they're completely gone. Don't panic, anybody with them. Don't panic. That will happen. They will come back. A lot of them do. Yeah. Brian from Colchester. Don't forget, we can still squeeze a call in on oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. Hello, hello, Brian. Hello, Ken. Yeah, um, uh, I got a problem with uh, one of my olive trees. I purchased it about nine months ago, potted it, mm -hmm. and. Um, I fleeced it over for the winter, yeah. but unfortunately there was about eight foot of snow on top of the, the fleece, fleece. Yeah. which caused it to bend over and snap. The, <laughs> the cane that was supporting it had snapped, and so the whole thing went over. It's one of these... Um, Standard ones. It's a spirally type oh, wow. olive tree. It's yep. quite fancy looking. It looks very nice. So I put that some of that magic grey tape around the, the break, it hadn't actually caused... It caused it to bend over, obviously. Mm. And uh, the stem was OK, but the the bark was was sort of broken about halfway around. Yeah. But with this tape, I've taped it all together and I'm now frightened. It's, and I've 
I've just taken the fleece off about two weeks ago. It seems okay, but I'm worried about taking the tape off. Now, I wouldn't. Um, with a I bit would... of luck, it's growing okay. It looks okay, but with, if I took the tape off, do you think I could cause it damage? No, there, there's, no there's probably no need to take the tape off because the stem won't really grow that quickly. Um, and any support's better than none. You will only know once the weather warms up and it needs to grow and it needs to take the water up whether there's any damage on that bark layer. So Brian needs to re- give us a call back yeah. when it emerges. Hold tight, leave it as it is and see what happens. Uh, quickly, um, Helen wrote a, a text. My fuchsia seems to have died. Long established, newer cuttings in black in back and front cover. He, it, they'd leaves before snow and some stalks seem pliable. Is there a problem? I think sit tight. They will yeah. come back. Yeah. Not not a worry My at all. My fuchsia's not woke up no. in the garden. Yet. Lewis from Braintree, you've got a question about camellias. Is that right? Well, yes, I've just taken some cuttings. Not sure if it's the right time of year. Mm. But <laughs> if it works, it is. Yeah, well, it's not the best time, is it? I've got about five, and I put them around the edge of a, a pot with some seed yep. composting. Do I mm. cover them with plastic, or can I leave them outside, or what Ooh. do I do with them? Well, uh, if you, uh, you'll probably find if you cover them, they're sweat. Um, yes. you just best place is somewhere a little bit shady because you don't want the sun to to go on them because they haven't got any roots um, no. and see what happens. So tuck them in a corner somewhere, uh, a bit shady. Oh, yes. And and see what happens, but ideally right. you'd normally do it in the autumn. I would say when when the oh, sap right. isn't well, quite so fast. So if if these work, do you reckon they might have roots on by the autumn? They should have, yeah. They'll either die or grow. <laughs> and, <laughs> Lewis, get, and, and let us know how they get on, because here at BBTSs we like to hear whether things are right or wrong. Uh, can I plant tomato plants in garden compost and soil in pots? Will it give a good yield? I would use compost yeah. rather than just soil from the garden. Nora from Graves, you've got a call for us, yes. Good morning. I've got a conodendron in the garden. It's the fourth one I've actually planted over the last two years, and I've lost all of them, and I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. They're not a hardy plant. They're you not. Know, they're a shrub, <laughs> and they, they will take most conditions, but they they will get hit in, in cold winters, and we have had a couple of stiff sort of belts over the last couple of winters. Um, they also don't like being wet in the winter. And this year, they have been they, wet. They've had a the lot. Yeah, yeah, and we've had yeah. some wet winters previously. Uh, it's best kept in the pot, um, and then keep the, when it sort of gets into late autumn, bring the pot against the house just to give it a bit of protection. And they're beautiful things when when they're growing. They're a lovely shrub, but they're, they're not as easy as as you might hope. Okay, um, how do you tips on handy hints on how to eradicate Japanese knotweeds that's gradually approaching my garden from a thoughtful neighbour's garden? Uh, what I would suggest there is you use glyphosate as they appear down the stem. Yeah, and I'm going to go back to the phones with John in Clacton. Hello, John. We'll squeeze you in. How Thank can we you help very you? Much. Um, yeah, what it is, I've got some uh, fig uh, tree stems and planted them indoors in small pots, and they took well. The, the mm-hmm. leaves come out and everything. I put them outside in bigger pots. It's four of them, actually, um, in bigger pots, and the leaves seem to be drooping Yeah, and getting sort of sunburnt or whatever. Yeah, it's only really because they've gone from inside to outside. So if you can pop them somewhere where it's a little bit shaded at first... Oh, right, OK. Um, ..and that will just, just basically acclimatise them from being indoors on a windowsill with no breeze and, and you know, idyllic... Oh, not, not idyllic conditions, but quite snug conditions to outside with a bit of cold round their ears and a bit of sun on the top, and they will sort of flag. You'll probably find they'll perk up and just settle in. They'll perk up. So if I put them in the shade, it should be okay. okay. I would just for a while, just to settle them in, let them get used to being outside. It, it's, okay. it's still early, John. It's still early. <laughs> We've had a few days of sun, but it's still early. We've only just took our jumpers off. I know, I thought, I thought I'd pull them outside, now the sun's out, but obviously... Yeah, from indoors, without any direct sort of proper sun to outside, it can make them flag a little bit, but they'll be all right. They'll be all right. They'll be all right. I think they're rooting, they're rooted all right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you, John, for your call. Don't forget, if you have a burning question, you can send me an email at ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk and we'll fit it in next week. Dave, we've got one last comment to do, and in fact, it's something that I know you and I will know about. That's Patio Magic. And Patio Magic, uh, as you suggested for my slabs, but wonder, will it damage the grass along the edges? What do you do? And in fact, the answer is it won't hurt them, will it? It shouldn't do, no. 
I like the way he's playing. He's playing. I'm his playing best. it safe. You're playing it safe, <laughs> aren't you? It shouldn't do. It shouldn't do at all. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. Next week, Jeff Hodge will be looking after things. And don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. The Ken Crowther Gardening Podcast, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex.